So this year in our Lenten journey, um, these evening gatherings, uh, the various pastors are coming through, and each one is kind of taking a, a physical thing or something uh, temporal that we have and using it to kind of focus our meditation, our time together, right? Last uh, Wednesday, uh, Pastor Ernie Jong was here, and I believe it was light, right? Was that what he was? Hey, hey guys, we're paying. That's great. I'll tell them you guys focused, right? Um, and tonight, mine is simple. It's salt. This is salt, right? We all know salt. Salt is, um, well, it's pretty basic. Um, you know, these small little granules, uh, they're unassuming. They're simple things. They're they're almost ubiquitous. They're everywhere, right? They're so common in our life, we don't really even think about it all that much. Um, it makes sense that that we might use something temporal or something earthly to, to, to get a hold or focus our thoughts. Our God regularly uses low, simple things to give us glimpses into his profound working in our lives. And salt's really no different. Um, as I said, it's, it, it's kind of everywhere. Uh, we use it, or it has been used uh, for many years as a preservative. It gives flavor, of course. Uh, we were talking about soups earlier. I didn't have to salt any of my soups. They were great uh, as they were. But there was salt on the table in case you needed to. Um, my dad, he has uh, some health conditions these days, and he is on a low-sodium, or it's, as he would say, almost no-sodium diet. Does anyone else have to be on something like that? He, it sounds terrible, because now my conversations with my dad revolve around everything he can't eat, because he likes to eat, and, um, and what he's realized in order to stay healthy now is so much food is off the table, because so much contains salt, right? I mean, it's everywhere. But even for him, even as somebody who has to really watch his sodium intake, the amount of salt he has, um, he still needs salt. Salt's crucial for life. It gives us certain minerals and, and electrolytes, things like that, that we need to live. And so salt is crucial. Now, in Scripture, salt is used a lot of ways. It is used as a preservative. It's used to give flavor to things. Uh, and it is used, oddly enough, at least a time or two, to sweeten things. And I had actually, we just heard that Old Testament lesson read earlier. I had forgotten that text uh, before I started preparing for this. Um, the text is uh, uh, about Elijah right after he's called to be a prophet. And he's in Jericho. And in Jericho, the people there, I think it's me banging around. The people there, um, they say the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. Now, I don't know exactly what that might mean, but clearly there's something wrong with their water supply, right? And the whole land is struggling now because of this. And what does Elijah do? He says, bring me a bowl of salt. He says, bring me a new bowl full of salt. And then he goes out to the spring of water where they get their water, and he casts that bowl into it, the, the salt into it, and he says, Thus says the Lord, I have healed the water. It's a great line if you think about it. I have healed the water. And some translations actually say what it does is it makes the water sweet, which means 
it's drinkable, that it's okay, that you can consume it, right? He has healed the water. In fact, that led me down a rabbit hole of other things. There was, um, there was a practice in the early church in their baptismal rites where they used salt in baptism. So a convert would come to the faith, right? They would do just like we do today when you see a baptism, right? You renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways. You confess the Apostles' Creed. And right before you're actually baptized, they would taste salt. And I think that goes with that epistle lesson we had today where they're, they're, that, that, uh, their speech is flavored with salt. It was a way of saying something now is different. You're, you're being salted by something else, flavored by something else. And maybe, like that Old Testament lesson, something that was dead is being made alive. Something that was bad is being made sweet to our God. And so in baptism rites, even Luther in his early baptism rites included salt as part of the baptismal rite. Right? He said this was a visible element that something different is being done. Somebody is being salted by these gifts of our God. It's changed. It's different. And so salt is profound. It, it's kind of throughout uh, Scripture. It's throughout our lives, of course. It's throughout our diets, right? Um, and it's a, at times was a precious commodity. Uh, you've probably heard the phrase, I know I have, that to say that somebody is worth their salt, right? That comes from, as far as I can tell, that our English word salary comes from the Latin salarium, which has its root sal, which is salt, right? And we've probably all heard the stories that there were certain moments in history where Roman soldiers would actually be paid in salt because salt was crucial. Uh, it was necessary if you were to run any sort of home. And so they would actually be paid with salt to send that home for their families because you needed salt to to preserve your food, right, your meat, to keep it for any length of time. And so you had to have this commodity of salt. And so you would say that this person is worth their wage or worth their salt. They were worthy of that, right? It was that precious. And so I think it's that collision, if you will, of the preserving nature of salt and this strange sweetening uh, life-giving thing God does when he takes a hold of salt and can turn even bad water into good water. I think all of that comes colliding together when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount looks out at his disciples and he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You give flavor, right? You give seasoning, you give preservative, you give life. You are what is necessary to this earth. You are. Or as Paul says, your speech is seasoned with salt. Your words that go forth as the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are what the world needs, the salt of the earth. Now, our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount goes on to then move from salt to light, right? Don't hide your light in a basket, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, right? We don't hide it away. He goes on to say, unsalty salt is not a thing, right? 
Salt is what it is. Down to its smallest pieces, it's still salt. And it can be small and unassuming and simple, but it still does what it has been created and given to do. Now at this point, I'm sure some of you, like me, you hear that and you think, well, that's nice. It's good to be considered the salt of the earth. But if it really means that, that I am what the world needs in the hands of my God, well, then some of you are probably looking over your shoulder and going, he must, he must be talking to that guy behind me, right, or somebody else. Because to be honest, when we take good stock of ourselves and we consider who we are before our God, we don't look or tend to act like we're what the world needs. We see ourselves rightly, right? You see your sin, your failings, your shortcomings. You see and you know that you have thoughts, words, and deeds that are just tore up with sin. And, and you've come in here tonight, and who knows what it is that brings you in here? You come in here maybe because this is your normal practice. It's Lent. You go to church. Maybe you, you, you came uh, willingly, joyfully. Maybe you came kind of, you drug yourself in. And you have a whole life that happens outside this building. And, and there's ups and downs and there's struggles and there's, and there's joys and there's suffering and hardship. And there's sin through it all. And you think, you know, I could barely take care of myself, let alone be the salt of the earth for anyone else. But I think that's the beauty of that language there of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says that. You see, he doesn't say to his disciples gathered there, he doesn't say, well, listen, you need to get going and, and do enough salty kind of stuff, and then one day you'll be promoted to the salt of the earth. No, they're there hearing his words, and he simply proclaims to them that this is what you are. In Christ, this is who you are. And there's no such thing as unsalty salt. You are the salt of the earth. You are what this world needs. Not because of your works, not because you've kind of maintained a certain status or you've done certain glorious acts in this age. No, you are the salt of the earth because you have received what Christ himself has done. I love going back to that image of baptism and the applying of salt in that rite. I'm not saying we should do that nowadays. Maybe we should try it a time or two, but it, it, it's, it's powerful to say Something happened to us there. We were baptized, washed. We use the language of dying and rising again with our Lord Jesus Christ, right? That, that all the good things that our Lord has done, he gives freely to you. He clothes you with it in the waters of holy baptism. And, and all that you have done, all your sin, he takes as his own. And he embodies that. And he pays for that. He sacrifices himself for it all. The debt has been paid. You are washed, cleansed in his gifts. You are in this way salted, seasoned, if you will, with Christ. So much so that St. Paul will later say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And so it is with you. You are disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have received his blessings, his promises. You are what this world needs. You are the salt of the earth. What I mean by that is your life is caught up in Christ. If we use salt as our image, it means, for starters, your life is preserved. Right? That's our Lord's promise to you. How many times have we been to a funeral and we hear those words over and over again? That those who believe in Him, even if they die, yet they shall live again. You'll live. Even if you die, you live preserved in Christ. Oh, and that leads to the sweetness. Right? The goodness. What a way to live. You get to live your life knowing that you're preserved in Christ. That's the sweet stuff. The good life. That's the boldness which we carry ourselves day in and day out. You are forgiven all of your sins in Jesus Christ. You are loved by your Lord. You are embraced by your Father in heaven. You are welcome into eternal life. And so you have what this world needs. You can forgive. And you can love. You can go out these doors and be the salt that Christ has declared you to be. All glory be to God. Amen.